Hey, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Bowling, and I'm way pumped to have you join me today because I get to interview a special guest. As you listen today, you get to hear what it looks like to live in genuine love every day, and you're going to love it. Be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. Thank you so much for joining. I am Sarah Bowling, and totally stoked that you're on my podcast with me today. And even more stoked because I have Patricia King with me, who is nothing less than magnificent and glorious. Thank you, Patricia, for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. It's always a great pleasure to do anything with you. (laughs) I love hanging out with you, and I hope I catch everything that you have because I have such immense respect. Um, Wow. I watch what you do, and I just think, wow, she's phenomenal. And one of the things I love about you is watching you behind the scenes. All right. You're authentic. You're true to form on camera in front of an audience as well as off. And I love that. Right on. Well, you're the same. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we're, thank you. We're like two peas in a pod. <laughs> I know. I love it. Love it. Love it. So Patricia, not everybody is familiar with kind of your background, who you are. Could you just give us a quick, Um, biography uh, and then we'll have some fun with our interview here as well. Yeah I'd love to. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Vancouver Canada and uh, there uh, is where I met my husband um, when I was in my early 20s and uh, we were married um, shortly after um, I was born again through a very dramatic a deathbed experience actually and so I was born again and then my husband came to the Lord about 11 months later and then family members after that and from the moment that I was born again I was smitten by the love of God in fact the night that I received the Lord as my Savior that's how I got saved actually was was inside an encounter of his love that I described like liquid love filling me that night that literally transformed my life and um, that was um, about 45 years ago and I have really enjoyed every moment of serving the Lord Um, just as soon as I was born again I was telling everyone about the Lord uh, without any teaching training or anything I just I just felt that the only reason why the whole world wasn't Um, close to God is because they'd never heard the gospel. So I was going to make sure I told everyone the gospel. So I would do crazy things like my boys were little at the time. And so I put them in the backseat of the car and drive around and pick up hitchhikers or while they were down for a nap, I would open up the phone book and just pick names at random, sharing the gospel over the phone. I would just share the gospel with whoever I could. And um, I just, through my love for God, just served and served and served and as he would give me revelation of his word, I would share it out with anyone who would sit around the coffee table sort of thing. And, and it just grew. Um, and I grew as a servant. Um, I'm very happy to just continue in servanthood. I've been involved in apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, um, have planted a lot of different uh, works such as churches, outreach centers, missions bases, and uh, very much involved with anti-trafficking and um, just building the body up. Uh, We have a woman in ministry network where we gather women who are in ministry from all over the world and empower them. Yeah, so that's in a nutshell who I am and what I do. I totally love it. And one of the things that impresses me too with you in terms of women on the front line, I love what you do in terms of mentoring. 
And I saw you, that was like one of the key things I saw you're really passionate about. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you? Yeah, I've always had a desire, Sarah, to see people go further than where they are. And so, of course, all of us have been given nuggets by the Lord, um, just insights or skills or whatever. So if I can impart those or help people um, embrace those things, and if it'll help them go further, then that's what I love to do. I live for it. I just live for that. So over the years, I've had lots of opportunity um, to do that one-on-one. -on -one, but then as things got so out of hand busy, um, the Lord gave me strategy on actually how to do a lot of mentoring online. So I did a lot of online professional coaching. I'm a professional life coach as well. Um, so I did a lot of coaching that way, but then started doing um, just online mentorships with whoever wants to come in and develop curriculum that would help um, build the core of people's hearts um, in the Lord and in his word and in different subjects that would give you know, that would fortify their faith. And so that's called the A-Team. It's an online mentorship. And every month they get a new course. And then I meet them on Facebook. And we have great interaction. And then in addition to that, uh, we launched um, an online uh, church, which is an established pastoral community um, where, you know, you have a few hundred people that you pastor and nurture as a type of um, mentoring that's connected with our church. So I love it. It's what I live for. If I can help someone go to the next stage in their growth in the Lord or in their ministry and their expression of their love for God, then that, that is what uh, puts fire in me. I love it. I totally think that's phenomenal and love, love that you do that. Um, I also want to ask you when you say you're, you're involved with us, uh, anti-trafficking what is that how do you see that play out yeah well it started years ago actually in a prayer meeting years ago back in about 1998 I think it was maybe 1999 and I was in a prayer meeting and the Lord told me in that prayer meeting he spoke to my heart and he said I want you to go to Bangkok and I I'm going to teach you about sex tourism and that at the time was a brand new phrase. I didn't, um, you know, I just didn't get it. I mean, we had done lots of work in the inner city. We've lived in the inner city. And so, of course, we have uh, ministered um, and lived with uh, prostitutes, drug addicts and all that. But I never saw um, the sex industry as like tourism, like sex tourism. It was more like drug dependency, right? And all the corruption that goes with that. And so... Um, I just gave God my yes, and a friend of mine went with me, and off we went to Bangkok. We didn't know anyone. We didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't even know what God was going to reveal to us there, except it had something to do with sex tourism. And so I connected with a missionary friend of mine, and he gave me some contacts there, which we met with. And on the very first night, Sarah, I'm in a restaurant close to our hotel. We had just gotten into our room, went out for something to eat. And across the table from me was this man in his mid-50s who was with a young girl that I don't think was older than 15. And she was this young Thai girl that was so precious. And um, she was like straining to smile. You could tell that she was nervous. And I knew immediately that he had bought her for the night or for the week or whatever. And this rage filled me. I just, um, I had this, this, this anger rise up in me. 
And I just wanted to go grab the girl and give him some fivefold ministry right in his face, right? And um, the Lord uh, filled me at that very moment with compassion, not only for the girl, but for the man. And he showed me all the deficit that was in the man's heart and what even happened to him. He gave me a word of knowledge of something that happened to him when he was a child. And so that gave me so much compassion for him. So then I was really confused. I didn't know what to do because I was angry about the situation, but I had a compassion at work for both of them. And uh, so it was a real emotional trip. Um, but in that, we went up to Pati as well. And in that, the Lord spoke to me and he said, um, I'm not calling you to run from this. I'm calling you to do something about it. And it just looked like such a massive issue, as you know, Sarah, right? Because you're also involved in this. It was just such a big issue. I, I, I just felt overwhelmed. I thought, well, what can I do? And so the next night we had joined with a local church in the area to do an outreach into a bar brothel. And it happened to be Valentine's Day. And so we asked if we could sing um, love songs for the people because it was Valentine's Day. And they said, well, how much would you charge? And we said, nothing, it's for free. We just didn't tell them it was Jesus love songs, but we went in there, set up the whole worship team and started to just worship Jesus in the bar slash brothel. And as I'm there, um, the Lord gave me words of knowledge. I got up there and, and asked the uh, brothel owner if I could um, give some words about people's future. And she said, oh, you fortune teller. And I said, no, not, not exactly, but I know God and he knows everyone's futures. And she says, yes, 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 fortune teller. We call that fortune teller. And I thought, well, if it gets me the mic, I'll take it, whatever name, right? So I got up there and I started um, calling out people, girls in the, in, in the brothel and giving them words and they would just weep. And, um, and so then I just said, anyone that would like a word about your future and God come to the front and the whole place practically came forward. Wow. So we had an altar call right there in the brothel. We had an altar call and a number of people gave their lives to the Lord. And we partnered with the Tamar Center, uh, which is an outreach to the girls there. And so they brought a lot of those girls back into their program. Um, so they never did go back into the bars after. They were actually totally uh, rescued and discipled and saved gloriously and, and everything. And so that's what put the heart in us to reach out more. So we started doing Operation Love, Extreme Love Schools. And we would just bring people in from all over the world to just go love the girls. We would do banquets and invite them out of the bars and the brothels. And we watched so many come out of this sex slavery because they had been sold into it, oftentimes by their parents even. And then one of our gals um, decided to stay on. And um, that's when we found out about the children and the children's brothels that were, we didn't know that um, even infants were being uh, trafficked and sold. And I know that you've been in um, the very section in Pontia where there's this whole block full of children's brothels where people come, pedophiles come from all over the world and buy children for uh, sex. So we started working in that arena, finding out that most of the children came from Cambodia because the Thai people looked down on Cambodians. They didn't see value in them. And so they didn't have a voice. So we began to set up in Cambodia as well, met with the UN, met with the Cambodian government, the Thai government, and put pressure on them uh, to do something about it and formed 
um, a, a traffic police that was Christian oriented, um, a justice team that of, of um, social workers and attorneys and that, and were able to really make a dent in that. And of course, do a lot of media on it, which spread the awareness to the body. And so now, um, you know, it's so beautiful to see the body mobilized now into this very um, thing. And that's an expression of God's extreme love. When you, when you bring your light into the darkness, I mean, sure, we can stay in church and love each other in church. But there's a whole world out there, as you know, Sarah. And they're in such darkness and they need us to go shine the light. They need the love of God to be shown. And so, um, yeah, I'm very passionate about it. So we have a base now in Cambodia. Um, and a lot of what we do is we'll go into the slums in Phnom Penh and other areas, but mainly Phnom Penh. Um, because that's the target for the traffickers. Um, the traffickers go in there and get the kids. They buy the kids from the parents. So we've set up systems to keep every child safe so that there's a reporting system. We have seen so many people arrested, people, uh, children kept safe, and we're starting churches in those areas too. We start, um, first of all, with a um, just a safe house for the children and, and do children's ministry, then through that, get the family safe and then plant churches. And so we're involved in that, and as well as getting girls out of the brothels and teaching them skills so that they don't have to go back, that they can make income for them and their children and uh, look after their children while they're um, uh, working and everything too. So the children get a proper education in that as well. Love it. I totally love it. I'm like sitting here. Woo -woo! Yay! Yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. Totally love it. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about too, Patricia, you have your new book out called the power of a decree power of the. So tell us a little bit, Number one, what's it about and why did you write it? Yeah, well, decree, Sarah, is a real um, important um, tool that uh, the Lord's revealed to me for years. And it's, it's probably one of the most effective uh, ways to establish the kingdom of God in any situation that you're in. Um, because his word is full of life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. And of course, we know in Isaiah 55, 11, that when, when the word is sent for, it accomplishes everything that it's sent to do. So it's like a little missile going forth and hitting the target. So um, years ago, uh, when my husband and I were first going into, like we left our places of secular employment and our careers to go into missions, work on that. And we were living with no visible means of support. We were learning to live by faith. And it was a rough, I'll tell you, it was a rough five years. That first five years was rough, that God was faithful. And we didn't have any plan B. It was like, we're going to believe the word. The word says that God will provide and we have no other option only to follow him. But of course, uh, there was all kinds of attack on that. And, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, we had to push through with our faith and the word for that five years. And during that time, my husband, who's a very up, uh, steady, stable, solid believer, 
he all of a sudden felt really down because he, he was always a really good provider. And now he's seeing his family struggling a bit and he's not able to give them what he had always been able to give them before. And so um, he actually got hit with a depression. I'd never seen him like that ever. And he, he didn't even get out of bed this one morning. And I said, you know, this isn't going to work. You can't, you can't stay like this. And uh, so I, I just couldn't budge him. And I asked the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, write out a decree of the word of God, the promises of the word of God, and make him say it, make him speak it out of his mouth. So a decree is um, an official statement made that, that, that carries governmental authority. And that's why the word is so powerful as far as decree goes, because it is given birth through God himself, who is the creator of the universe. And our Jesus is the King of Kings, is the Lord of Lords. There's no greater authority. And so decrees made in the name of a king, according to Esther 8.8, will not be revoked. So I wrote out these decrees. There were things like, um, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a victor in Christ Jesus and on and on, right? And um, I said, okay, now say, say this. I wrote it out by hand. I said, now sit up in bed and you're going to say it. And he, he just didn't even want to do that. So I said, I'll say it and you can repeat after me. So he did. And I took him through three times. But by the third time of simply decreeing the word, all of his um, mood changed. And he, and he was lifted in his countenance. And he got up and had a shower and got ready for the day. So I had him say those decrees over and over throughout the day. And he never did go back into a slump. It was just the power of the word lifted him. So then our son at the time was having some problems in school. So I thought, I'm going to do the same with him. So I made out decrees and I recorded them into what we called the nighty night tape. We had those little tapes back then. And, um, and I played it for him as he was going to bed. And within days, it changed everything. And I thought, this is so powerful. So at that point, I became sold on decrees. I've written so many books on decrees, but this one is my favorite because it'll teach the body not only what a decree is, but how to make decrees and how to apply decrees and how to use decrees to get breakthrough in any area of your life. So there's teaching in the beginning of the book, along with testimonies that will definitely build faith. And then there is like devotions in the second half of it that have to do with different areas of decrees and decrees. So it'll, it'll build believers faith, especially, you know, when you start in the morning with a bit of a devotion, it centers you for the day and it's so powerful. So I love the book and I, I've, I've prayed it'll be a real blessing to the body. So I am totally stoked that you wrote it and I'm totally pumped because I think each person who reads it gets some very practical application and encouragement, inspiration um, to walk in that authority and to see, see the results. Cause that's, it's totally powerful. I I'm a hundred percent on your page. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about, and this is a little bit of a left field question. So kind of random, brace yourself. Patricia, what are some things you like to do for hobbies? I like shopping and I like watching crime shows. <laughs> 
I'm an intercessor at heart. And I tell you, there's something about a really good crime show that just ignites me. You know, I like the whole justice end of it and, and that. So, yeah, so that's often what I'll do if I, if I have any time left um, in a week or whatever um, to sit down and watch a, a good crime show or go shopping with a friend. You know, I don't even have to buy anything. I just like kind of walking through a mall and, um, you know, going for lunch and, and just and enjoying the sights. And I'm a people watcher. I really love sitting back and watching people. So it's always fun to do at a good mall. Totally true. And you moved from, from Vancouver to Arizona. Was that kind of a direct move? Why did you do that? Well, actually, the move came... Um, as a result of persecution, the actual permanent move. Um, but my husband and I had been coming down to Arizona for our prayer time. We take a month of prayer every year. We've done it for, for many years. So back in the 1990s, we would come down here for a month or six weeks. Um, and Ron's father was down here um, in one of you know the resort trailer parks and that. So he was down here. So we'd spend time with him. He wasn't saved yet. So we wanted to build relationship with him until he he really came to know the Lord. And um, so that's how we kind of um, fell in love with Arizona here. But then in about the year 2000, when I was visited um, with a 30-day visitation from the Lord that un unfolded um, the glory and the invisible realm of the kingdom of God and showed me through the word how to invite every believer to experience it. And so when I started teaching it, um, all hell broke loose. And a lot of the leaders, which I had worked with in Canada, very closely, um, strategic level leaders across the nation for years, um, for some reason, uh, came against the teaching and came against me. And so it was a very um, difficult time. But the Lord, through that, uh, told me to uh, come into the USA, um, which was surprising to me because I'm a Canadian and it's hard for Canadians to get visas. And so I thought, I don't know how this is going to work out, but you know, you, you do what the Lord um, says to do. And he said that um, when you go to the U S um, there will be my people there um, will uh, care for you. And he gave me the scripture about revelation 12, where the woman was chased by the dragon. And um, so the Lord gave her the wings of the great Eagle and flew her into her place in the desert. Well, there I was on the plane when I was getting this word, headed down here anyways, to the desert. And um, he said, you will stay there, um, but the attack will follow you there too. But I have my people there who will help you. And that's exactly what happened. And God opened up the way for us to get our visas. And a number of ministers in the U.S. Um, did stand with us through that time of persecution and um, there was still persecution in the U.S., but it was like there was a, a fight here for what was right. So that's how we were able to, to stand. And I just want to say, because I know your program's about love, is that that was the most powerful time in my whole life um, to learn how to love well and love perfectly. And it was just so beautiful the way the Lord led through that um, season. And the heat of the season was about seven years, but it lasted for about nine years. And to love those dearly who were, um, and, and truly authentically loving those who were, who were being so cruel in, 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 in ways. And um, it was just the most 
I wouldn't trade it for the world, even though it was emotionally painful in some places because there were close friends that even at first uh, came against me. All of them have come around and apologized over the years and we're all running together and tracking together. And even uh, some of the ones who didn't know me before that were against me were now best of friends now. And it's beautiful to see the way love conquers, love really conquers. And I just, enjoy that time in my life as far as getting to know the power of God's love and having your love tested because you you cannot say you love until your your love is tested and that's why Jesus can say I am love because his love was tested and he so perfectly passed every love test that he faced so that's my goal in life my goal in life is to learn to love. That's what I want to do is I want to spend my whole life learning to love. But what really launched me into that was that seven to nine years of real heavy, uh, heavy persecution. And then to watch the way God turned it around and softened all of our hearts towards each other. It was just so beautiful. And, um, and his love is, his love is so powerful. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing else like it. So that's what drew me to the USA and I love it here so much that I just I I just feel like I've always been here. It's it's really something when the Lord plants you somewhere, it's it's really something. And he gave me a promise because I love Canada so much. I love Canada. It's a beautiful nation. But he told me, he said, I promise you that as you move to the USA, you will have more influence in Canada than what you could have had if you stayed there. And that has been true. Um, yeah, it's just been true the way that the Lord's allowed me to impact my nation and um, and yet be here. So yeah, that's the story. I totally love that. I completely love it. And you know, when you talk about that whole persecution opposition season and about learning to love in that season, um, how did you love like, when people really come against you verbally, you know, and, and structure organizationally, all that stuff, how did you choose to love um, in, in the thick of that opposition? Well, um, the first thing of course is to forgive immediately, right? Um, because offense doesn't give you power. Forgiveness does. And um, offense will always weaken you. And I just want to say before I go into this, because it's a deep subject and I love it, um, but every single person that's watching right now has had an experience with persecution. If you're following the Lord, you have had an experience with persecution. Um, and if you've not been persecuted at all, well, then get on fire. <laughs> but um, so... Um, I'm no different from anyone else. You know, we all have our, our different, you know, uh, things that we have to handle. But the first thing is always forgive and choose to love, choose to lavish the people that are hurting you with love. And I always like to ask the Lord, just show me how much you love that person. Show me your love for them. I don't, I don't want to relate to them according to my experience with them. I want to relate to them according to yours. And it's really amazing when you have God's heart for them. It changes everything. And then the second thing is to pray, to pray. It, it, it says, pray, 
pray for your enemies, you know, pray for those who persecute you and bless them. And so that's what I would do in prayer. But also I had opportunity um, to honor because I really believe in honor. And there was a couple in particular that were very, very vocal. And I, I believe the best of them though. Like I just believe that they had a discernment that they thought they had about me and they were trying to protect the body from me. And I think that their, their motive was right. Their discernment was maybe wrong, but um, their uh, motive was uh, right. And probably their means were a bit wrong, but um, they would, they would literally um, do public um, smashing of me. They would write things about me and, and everything. But every time, I had an opportunity, I would honor them with a public voice. I would honor them. And um, I would say how much I loved and appreciated that certain ministry. In fact, um, one of them I can remember, they had written a number of different books. So right in the middle of a preach, for example, if there was something I was sharing on that was covered in one of their books, I would say, and by the way, this particular person, they have got such great, rich teaching on this subject. And I really honor and respect this ministry very much. And what it did, because they were so public about their, about their um, resistance of me, um, is that it, it perplexed the body because they were seeing, okay, well, this person's coming against her, but now she's blessing them back. And it, and it started to break down it, it, it started to break down the barriers because the body was starting to feel we've got to make a choice. And I would just get up and say, no, no choice has to be made. We can just love everybody. You know, there's no choice. You don't have to choose this person or that person. We can love everyone. And so it was, um, it was a great time. And also another thing I did was I blessed financially. I blessed with big gifts, right? But, financially, especially to the ones that had the sharpest voices. Um, I would give them the greatest offerings, you know, and just send it in. One of them sent it back, but, um, but God knows the heart. God knows the heart. But I really believe that that breaks it down, right? And it's an opportunity for you in the midst of pain to um, know that there's sacrifice in the offering and that for your love of God, you, you are willing to lavish someone that hates you, that you're able to lavish them with love. And, you know, Sarah, today, of course, we've got a lot of issues right now, especially with racial tensions and things like that. And I know that a lot of those racial issues are very real. You know, I'm not downplaying it at all. But I think the bigger problem is the devil's hate. And so behind all that racial tension or gender tension or whatever's out there is that we've got, we, we have the devil's hate. He hates, he hates if you're white, he hates if you're black, he hates if you're brown, he just hates. He hates if you're a woman, he hates if you're a man, he hates if you're a minister, he hates if you're, you know, he just hates. And so the way that we are going to win the battle of hate is through love. And we can start that. We might not be able to take down the whole mountain, but we can take our mountain down. You know, if there's any kind of hate that's toward us or any hate that we're tempted with or condescending attitudes or judgment, if we're aware of that within ourselves, we can conquer that mountain easily with just more love and, um, and, 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 and bring it down. So that's what I intended to do during that season was I thought I've got to learn to love well, because 
if I don't love, if I cannot love, I really don't have a message. If I cannot love, I, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you do not have love, you are nothing, you have nothing, it profits nothing. So without love, you have, you might as well not go forward. You have to love. And so um, it was just, oh, it was so beautiful. And I'm so grateful, as painful as it was, it was probably the most painful time I ever went through in ministry. And yet it was the most beautiful and I'm so grateful that God gave me the opportunity. I'm so grateful because it says in the Bible, Sarah, that we are to um, we are to fellowship with His sufferings, and His suffering are love sufferings. Imagine what He did for us on the cross and all the mistreatment He had. I mean, He was slandered, He was abused, He was He was beaten, He was denied, He was betrayed. He was. I mean, the very people He poured Himself out to. He was. He, he was mistreated, and yet he hangs on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he gives his whole life, and he gives us all that he is and all that he has. He gave to each and every one of us. And I think, Lord, I've got to be like that. But in order to get there, you will suffer with him, because love is not easy. Um, there's suffering involved. And, um, and we need to embrace those opportunities of suffering so that we can love well. Totally, completely agree with you. I love, and I, I really appreciate you sharing like the real practical, how do you do that? Because I think theoretically we're on board with the idea of it, but the practicality sometimes gets a little, little skinny for us on how to do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Holy buckets, wasn't that amazing? Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. Totally love your guts and I'd love for you to share this with your friends and your family. Thank you again and again for listening and we'll catch you next week.